Okay, so you have that on the on the screen there. Yes. Okay. Good well, luck. So what we're going to try and do is go through uh, since uh, some of the uh, the the, uh, the news uh, is revolving around uh, those who may be stuck in in Kabul, maybe stuck in uh, Afghanistan. So it actually coincided with uh, some of what we're learning in the morning uh, in terms of a husband's responsibility to his wife. So I figure that, oh, here we go. Uh, so I figure that. Okay, Thank you, Eliyahu. I got it. Okay, bye. So I figured it'd be a good uh, opportunity to go ahead and to uh, bring these two things together, a little bit of current events with a little bit of what we're, uh, we're learning in the, in the morning. So, I don't know if any of these scenes are actually uh, uh, taking place, uh, uh, you know, occurring, but it's not so far-fetched to go ahead and to, uh, to think that such a thing is, is, actually, uh, is actually taking place. So let's say there was a situation, just to get us into the, into the full picture of what's going on, let's say there was a situation uh, in which... Um, Okay. Um, where um, somebody's wife is uh, is uh, there in Kabul, and uh, the Taliban say that uh, if you want uh, your wife redeemed, uh, it's going to cost you quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars. Uh, you know, something along those uh, something along those lines, some large amount of uh, large amount of money. So the question is going to be, what does halacha say uh, about one's responsibility? So we're not talking about whether one should, although part of it actually we'll see that sometimes what a person wants to do is not necessarily allowed in halacha. What exactly are the parameters of pidyon shvuyim? What are the parameters of redeeming somebody from captivity? Is this something that uh, that uh, that we do to what extent certainly everybody's gotten all sorts of mailings and emails about uh, you know multiple mitzvahs of pidyon shvuyim to send lots and lots of money to go ahead and to uh, to help people from that this situation and the question is what exactly is the extent of the obligation okay so now the first thing on your mind as all of us have seen many times is watched some form of the movie of uh, Raiden and Tebby. So the first thing is going to be is we're going to go ahead and we're going to send in the IDF. We're going to go ahead and send in some, uh, some soldiers, some Rambos, and they'll go ahead and they will redeem uh, whoever the, uh, the captive is. So first thing you need to know is Shulchan Aruch says, now it, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to be mindful of that where this appears, you see, it says over here, Hilchos Tzedakah. So the one simon in Shulchan Aruch, where, where the topic is pidyon shvuyim, redeeming captives, is found in the middle of the halachas of tzedakah. So over there in Hilchot Tzedakah, in Yeridea, it says, hashvuyim. So we don't go ahead and try and jailbreak people who are kidnapped, people who are taken into captivity. Why? Because it's not going to be good, although it may be beneficial for this particular captive, it's not a good public policy. Why is it not a good public policy? Because if you go ahead and you jailbreak 
some captives this time. So that just means that the next time they go ahead and they kidnap somebody, what they're going to do is they'll hold them in even stronger circumstances, and that is even more dangerous for the for the captive. So rather than putting future captives at risk uh, by uh, by them, uh, you know, putting them in Fort Knox or something like that. So Halacha says that as a general matter, we don't go ahead and try in Mavriach. We don't try and help captives escape from their captors because of this dangerous public policy. Okay, so sending in Rambo, so that's not an option. Halachically, that's not an option. So what's the next thing? The next thing is to go ahead and pay the ransom, to go ahead and pay the uh, half a million dollars, the million dollars, the five million dollars. So at what point do we say that, certainly we say that every life is worth, is of infinite value and is worth, you know, as we talked about, Bishvili Nivra Olam, the entire universe was created for my sake. So if the entire world, uh, universe was created for my sake, we should say that there's no cost, there's nothing which is considered to be too much as far as redeeming captives is concerned. But interestingly, here also, there's a public policy concern. And that is, this is what we have in source two. Ein podin hashvuyim, this is Simon Rashman base. Ein podin hashvuyim yosu mikidei That we don't redeem captives for more than their value. Also, Mipnei ticket olam because of public policy. What's the concern over here? Because if they go ahead and they say, in order to redeem this captive, it'll cost you half a million dollars, and you pay that ransom, so what's going to happen? Next time they go ahead and they kidnap somebody, they'll say, okay, we want three quarters of a million dollars. And each time they're going to go ahead and they're going to keep upping up, upping the price. Because if we keep paying, because there's uh, everybody's worth uh, infinite value, so there's no end to how much they're going to go ahead and they're going to keep asking for. And it'll turn out to be a tremendously lucrative business for them. And as a lucrative business, as a lucrative fundraiser, you don't have to go ahead and do these charity campaigns. You can do one kidnapping per uh, per year and you've got enough money to cover your budget. And that's something which is going to be bad news for uh, uh, bad news for uh, um, for uh, for everybody. Um, Eliyahu, are you there? Who? Trying to get. I, I was just told that what's it called that uh, the Mel is also trying to get in, and he can't. Ah. I don't know if this will help him at all. Yeah. One second. One second. One second. Can we just go back to Zoom next week? Yeah. I mean, we, we I, I, can't have... I, I think we may. Okay. Aval. So, so it's a public policy. So we're not going to go ahead and we, we don't want to go ahead and redeem people for too much because we don't want that. We don't want this to encourage them to go ahead and to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to kidnap people in the future. But, and this is this, this the but is going to be important later on. So now we find, suddenly find out that there's a difference. If I'm going to go ahead and uh, try and uh, pay ransom for somebody else, so when I'm paying somebody else's ransom, so then there's going to be a limit on how much I'm going to pay out of public policy, which is going to be 
That's going to be the phrase over here. But if I'm going ahead, if I'm independently wealthy and I have half a million dollars, three quarters of a million dollars, five million dollars, and I could go ahead and I could use my own money to redeem myself. So then I'm allowed to spend as much as I want. I am not going to be bound by this public policy other than when I'm redeeming somebody else, but not when I go ahead and I redeem myself. So this is something which I said is going to be important when we get to the issue of redeeming one's, uh, one's wife. Now, what I'm sure all of you are thinking about is how exactly do we assess what a person's value is? How are we going to go about figuring out? Uh, it's not like you could look yourself up on eBay and see what you're going for uh, today or anything of, uh, of that sort, or you can't uh, search yourself on, uh, on Amazon and see that. So how exactly are you going to, uh, going to do so? So here, the Pisgah Tshuva, he actually brings down an interesting discussion. He says, Ayin, source number three over here, Ayin Shuvah's Maram Lublin, Simitasov Shekasov. So the Maram Lublin, one of the early Acheronim writes, the Pirish Kedei Dam of Hainu Kefima Sheshava Limkor Beshuk Keavid. He says, what you do is you have to look up your value on the slave market. So there's a blue book value, and then there's a slave book value. I think you could buy one of those right next to the farmer's almanac. And you can find out exactly what your uh, value is going to be. And that's what's considered to be Kedei Damov. So if a person's value on the slave market is $15,000, that's the most that you could spend to spring him from, uh, from his, uh, his kidnappers. And if they ask for $50,000 and his value is only $40,000, that's too much. And you would be able to do so. Now, the Maram Lublin himself addresses the question, I, that may have been good in the time of Chazal or in the time of Tanakh where there was actually a slave market. So he says, even though in our countries, this is, you know, uh, probably 17th century uh, Europe. So they didn't have, they, they didn't have such a market to sell slaves. So he says, but still, that's the way it's going to be assessed. It's going to be appraised. Being that we don't find any one of the other the earlier authorities saying that the halacha is going to change as a result of the fact that we no longer have such a slave market. So, Mistama, so it would seem to be, says the Maram Lublin, So you have to find a place where they still sell slaves, and you have to go ahead and you have to input that information and find out what your value would be in that market. What would be an example of that, he says? <laughs> Believe it or Kabul. Kagon So be in uh, Muslim nations, Muslim countries, or to Garma, I don't know if that's referring to, uh, to Turkey or something like that, but in places you'd have to figure it out, in places where they still have a slave market, and you'll have to go ahead and put in that information. But then the Pisgah Tshuva quotes, Achei Matzasi Vaz, what you have to do is we no longer are going to use the slave market as our way of appraising a person's value. We're now going to go ahead and look at the kidnapping market. In the kidnapping market, how much would they, uh, would they expect to, uh, to fetch for to, uh, to ransom this particular kidnapped person? And he says it's no longer going to be based on the way a person is sold in the market, but rather it's going to be what the kidnapping market is. How much would the, what's the going rate for the ransom of, 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 of people? 
And I think in those countries where this type of thing is actually common, where they kidnap people for ransom, I think there actually is a market. I think if you speak to the experts in these in these fields, they will tell you how much people will uh, will go for. It's well known that in certain countries, if you're going to go ahead and you're going to travel there, so every place that you would visit, that you or I would visit, is going to be a fenced in area, and it is a heavily guarded area, because there are plenty of people who try and make their living off of kidnapping Americans or kidnapping Westerners in order to be able to get the, uh, the ransom money. So in those places, so when they successfully kidnap somebody, so there is what they believe is a reasonable amount that people would pay, and they probably adjust it based on the relative wealth of the person, the, uh, the family circumstance of that person, whatever their, uh, the factors are, but they would go ahead and that would be something which would go ahead and uh, be a, uh, that's the way, according to the Radvaz, we would assess this, uh, this amount. Can I ask a question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, the words, Kemoshe Niftim Shavuyim Ovde Kochavim. Does that mean um, the the amount that that people who are captured by Ovde Kochavim typically get? Or does it mean um, how much they ransom captors who are Ovde Kochavim themselves? I think the, 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 the Ovde Kochavim are the captives. Not the captors, but the captives. The captives. So, so then, then the idea is that they don't want people to be motivated to kidnap Jewish people more than non-Jewish people. Correct. You don't want to make okay. that any more lucrative for them. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. And then the, 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 this last part, he says that the, he he just he, the, the Radvaz acknowledges that there are plenty of people who go ahead and they uh, they do. Um, pay more than a person's value, and he tries to justify why they uh, why they do that, but that's not really our issue. The Shevet Alevi, who died, you know, within the past uh, number of years, not too many years ago, so he has a section on Hilchot Tzedakah. So in that, he goes ahead and he quotes the Meiri over here. He says that he he quotes this piece Chayshuva, the Maram Lublin, who says that's going to be based on the slave market. He quotes the Radvaz who says that's going to be based on the uh, uh, kidnapping market. And then the Shevet Alevi says, Ibra matzasi b'mi'iri k'suvus nun beisam abeis kasa v'zelushono. He says, however, the mi'iri writes in k'suvus, lo k'evet anim k'rabashuk. So this is already from the time of the Rishonim. He says not, it's not going to be a praise based on the, uh, the, uh, the slave market. Like many people explain, elifi inyanam ukvodam. But rather, it's going to be something which is going to be uh, calculated based on the person's social standing, based on their honor and their the circumstance of their life, and how much is considered to be a reasonable amount to go ahead and uh, uh, ransom that person, and what would be considered to be, uh, you know, absurd. It's a, it, it, it's almost ludicrous to think that we're going to start negotiating what a person's value is, as if you're, you know, you're buying a menorah in the Arab shuk. And he says he wants 100 shekels. 100 shekels, I won't pay any more than 10 shekels for that. So here you are negotiating the price of uh, somebody's life over here. But that's what he says, that we're going to go ahead and we're going to, uh, to negotiate based on what their value is. And then he says, Ubegitin, elsewhere, the, the Me'iri writes, he says, So here he adds that one of the factors which we're going to take into account is the person's wealth. So that also the wealthier person is, the more you would spend on their ransom, the uh, the less wealthy they are, so then the uh, the less that you would uh, you would spend, and he goes ahead and he says, um, okay, we don't need the uh, the rest of it. 
And isn't that an anti-Jewish value that wealthy are worth more than than poor? Um, uh, in Chosha Mishpat, that's the way. That's uh, that's one of the ways we're going to assess his value. Sadly, but uh, you know, when we, when we take emotions out of it, so that's uh, you know, wealth. Oh, good, well made it. So, wealthy person are going to uh, will be worth more. Well, a, a wealthy person has more capacity to redeem himself. Also, but. True. But 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 you know we we already saw in one of the other sources that a person can spend as much as they want to redeem themselves. But but I'm 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 sitting here on the side. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that that halacha wants me to pay more to redeem redeem somebody just because they happen to have more money. I mean, oh yeah, oh, that, very very interesting. Right? Why, just because he's wealthy, why should I have to go ahead and contribute more to uh, to redeem him? Why should he take up? more communal funds just because he happens to be wealthy. So it, it, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Schaffel, I don't want to keep you from progressing, but yeah. I'd like to add to what Art said, actually, I, um, something else. And that is that uh, the, um, the way that uh, uh, people were, were uh, t- taken out of Europe uh, before World War II, uh, especially in the religious community, was not based on wealth at all. It was based on whether someone was uh, the leader of a particular Hasidic group. It was based on these kinds of things where there were perhaps it depended on how many people were were dependent on 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 that individual, and not at all. I mean, the, it, at least in in practice, uh, that doesn't. It doesn't seem to add up, at least the way that the Orthodox community treated it um, in the days of the Third Reich. Okay, so uh, that, now I will read the rest of the what, what I have over here from the Shevet Alevi <laughs> to to address both both of your points. So two two things. Number one, um, uh, Art, as far as what you said, so there's an interesting discussion in the postgim. What happens whether or not if I redeem somebody uh, from captivity, does he have to go ahead and pay me back? So it could be that the person, if the person has the means to pay back, then they'd be obligated to do so. So if you're, you're spending more to redeem the wealthy person, it's just a, uh, it's like a short-term loan to the wealthy person, but ultimately he's going to have to pay that money back. So Aha, uh-huh. that, that, that's that makes thing. more sense. So, right, so that, that's one thing which we- uh, So then you're, you're essentially redeeming him with his own money. Right, so he'll, he'll end up okay. having to pay his own money, correct. Uh, as far as what uh, you mentioned, uh, Bob, so here the Shevet Alevi says it's interesting for two reasons. Number one is uh, he doesn't say why, but uh, maybe it's because of what you said and then his humility at the end. But he says, the, the explanation in Gitin, which has to do with wealth, uh, so that sounds more like when we say a person's value is going to be like on the slave market. Because there's all sorts of financial considerations, which would which would determine how much a person's value is going to uh, is is going to be. So that is uh, point number one. And then he says, "But vachraso maseches ksubis defikvodam nearas yoser." However, the Shevet Levi says that what the uh, what the Meir writes in ksubis that it's not going to be a function of wealth, but he says the fi inyanam ukvodam based on their circumstances and their honor, but not wealth at all, that the David Alevi says, that makes more sense to me. 
And then here's where he adds in the humility part, other than the fact that somebody small like myself doesn't have the ability to decide between which of two passages of the Me'iri is going to be more authoritative. But at the end of the day, he goes ahead and says, it makes sense that, that in my, mind, in my uh, you know, mind, it makes sense that that's, uh, that's, uh, that that's the way we would go ahead and we would go. Okay. Now he says that, now, um, next halacha, number five over here. So this is going to be what happens in the event that, the, so far we just have background of general pidyon shvuyim. Now we get closer to our question of in the event that one's wife uh, is, uh, is uh, kidnapped in Kabul. So im ish v'ishto shvuyim. So if a man and his wife are both in captivity, so a couple was there in Kabul and they didn't get out, so if there's limited funds available to, uh, to, uh, to ransom somebody, so uh, the, uh, the wife is going to be ransomed first. He's left behind. She is ransomed first. Yeah. Why exactly that's so is not so uh, significant for us now. Now, obviously, if he's also uh, in, uh, kidnapped, he doesn't have access to any of his bank accounts. So how exactly are we, is anybody going to spend money to go ahead and, uh, and ransom anybody? So Shulchan Aruch says, you know what Basin does? They go to his property and they sell his cherished, sorry about this, Bob, but they sell his cherished baseball card collection in order to generate the necessary funds to ransom his wife. And even if the husband is yelling and screaming, that's my baseball card collection. Do you know how valuable that is? I'll tifta tif. I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to go ahead and ransom her from my baseball card collection. My baseball card collection is much more valuable and precious to me. So, ain Shomilo, we don't listen to him. If he has the assets that can be used to go ahead and redeem his wife, so we are going to go ahead and take them from him, even without his permission, even against his will, in order to go ahead and to redeem his wife from, uh, from, uh, from her captors. So the question is why? Where exactly does that come from? That we're going to go ahead and we're going to start taking his possessions against his will. He has, you know, he's been, uh, you know, storing and taking care of, uh, you know, a 62 Chevy Camaro or something in his, uh, in his uh, garage, you know, rebuilding it, uh, you know, for the past three years. And finally, he's just about done. And now we're going to go ahead and we're going to sell it to go ahead and take his wife out of captivity. So what's the basis? What allows us to go ahead and start taking his possessions against his will in order to redeem his wife from captivity? So for this, now we have to shift over. So now we go into a, uh, first we have a, a Mishnah, and then a Gemara in Ksubis. So in the middle of Ksubis, the Mishnah says, first the Mishnah talks about, in Ksubis, base. it talks about the obligations that a father has to his daughter, the rights and obligations that a father has vis-a-vis his daughter. And then it says, yes, a, a husband has even more uh, financial uh, rights uh, with regards to his wife than a father would have for his daughter. And one of those is that he gets to eat. We talked about this uh, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, a few months ago, that he goes that he gets to go ahead and eat the produce off of her field if she owns uh, apple holler. Uh, so he gets to go ahead and he gets the profits from that fruit. And then, but he also has additional responsibilities to his wife that a father may not have towards his daughter. And that is, 
So he's obligated Mizonos, he's obligated to financially support her, to provide her with food that we talked about a few weeks ago. Ube Pirkona, that's what we're talking about now. Pirkona is a redemption, that's Pidyon. So he has to go ahead and redeem her from captivity in the event that she is kidnapped. Ukvurasa, and in the event that she dies, so husband is obligated to go ahead and make sure that he, uh, he gives his wife a proper burial. That's not our discussion. We're assuming that he's actually going to succeed at redeeming her, not leave her till she's dead, and then take the cheap way out to just bury her. Just kidding. Now, <laughs> what's the basis of, of this obligation? Where does it come from when we say that the husband is going to have to go ahead and redeem the, uh, his wife? So the Gemara says, Hachitani, now source seven, we say, Tiknu, Mizonosea Tachas Masiadeh. So there is sort of a pro quo, which goes on over here, which is that the husband's obligation to provide his, his wife with uh, food. So that comes from the fact that when she earns a salary, he gets to keep the salary. So since her salary is directly deposited into his account, he is obligated to, to pay for her food, unless, like we talked about, she comes along and says, you know what, I'll go ahead and I'll buy my own food and I'm keeping my salary for myself. Then, upirkona tachas peros. And the obligation to go ahead and redeem one's wife from the, her kidnappers, kidnappers from captivity, is in exchange for that, he gets to eat the fruit off of her fields, if she has a wheat field or an apple field, or she has a residential apartments that is generating income. So in exchange for that income, he's obligated to go ahead and redeem her. And his obligation to bury her comes from the fact that he's going to inherit her property in the event that she dies, which also is not our discussion. Okay, so what's important over here is, is that when a, a man and a woman get married, so we know that there's all sorts of financial uh, uh, responsibilities that they have towards one another. And since one of those responsibilities ultimately is that the husband ha- is uh, financially on the hook to redeem his wife from captivity. So since that's a binding obligation, which rests on his shoulders, that's why he cannot say, I don't want to redeem her. And he cannot say, hey, don't touch that, uh, that Camaro in the garage over there. Over my dead body, will you go ahead and uh, you'll sell that Camaro to go ahead and redeem her? Doesn't matter what he says, because he has a binding obligation to take care of this financial responsibility. And his, uh, his desire to keep the car is not going to be able to override that. He's going to have to go ahead and let go of the car in order to redeem her. Okay. Now, question is, how much does he have to... How much does he have to spend in order to uh, to redeem his wife? So we, we talked about that when, if I'm redeeming somebody, if I'm redeeming myself, I can spend as much money as I have. But if somebody else is turning to me for redemption, I don't have to spend any more than what the slave market, what their, what their value is. However, we would go ahead and we would determine that, but there's going to be a certain cap at which I don't have to spend any more than that. So what happens when one is going to go ahead and redeem his wife? So interesting, we shift over now to Ebenezer. We're going now from Yoridea to Ebenezer. And here we find out that there's a fascinating disagreement about this. Shulchan Aruch says, this is Simon Ayin Ches, Sif Beis. So Shulchan Aruch's position is, is that redeeming one's wife is the same thing as redeeming a neighbor or redeeming a stranger, that you don't spend more than what her value is. 
Ella, but rather, even though it's the husband and he's financially responsible from the ksuba to do so, Ella Kamoshi Shava Kishar Shruyos, he doesn't have to spend any more on her than one would spend on any other uh, uh, captive in terms of whatever their value is. And therefore, if the kidnappers asked for more, so you could say, jump in the lake, I'm keeping my, uh, my Camaro. And if they're asking for more money than she's worth, so uh, too bad, so sad, let me know if, uh, you know, if I could send a, a Hallmark card. They probably have a Hallmark card for captives. Then, but says Rama, some people say, and here we see now suddenly this takes on halachic uh, import, that one's wife is the same as his own body, it's the same as himself, it's a part of him. And therefore, what normally is the cap that you, we do not redeem uh, because of public policy, we don't redeem captives for more than their value. That does not apply, the Ramah says, when redeeming one's wife. Now, pay attention. He doesn't say that he must do so, but when redeeming one's wife, the, the normal public policy not to redeem somebody for more than their value, that's suspended because of this principle, the very famous principle of ishto kugufa. You talk about this at the Shavabrachos. That because of ishto kugufa, that means that you could go ahead and you could de- redeem your wife from, from her kidnappers for even more than her regular slave valuable value would be worth, just the same as you could spend as much money as you want redeeming yourself. I, I don't see I don't see these two things as arguing with each other. The first half says Ain Mechaivim. We don't obligate him to pay more than her value. But if he wants to, he can pay more just the same way he would pay more for himself. Um I, I could hear how you, you could you could say that. if if I saw one of the Mephorshim in Shokhanar saying in this case that when the, even though the Ramah said Vyeshomim, he's not disagreeing. Um, I would I would definitely be on board because there are instances where the Rama will introduce something with the Yesh Omrim, which usually indicates a dissenting opinion, and it turns out they say that there's not really a dissenting opinion. Shulchan Aruch really agrees, but in this in this instance, I didn't see somebody who say that. So it could be that even though the, the Shulchan Aruch didn't say so, um, uh, the the is that we can't obligate him. That's number one. Number two is going to be that uh, which is not stated, but it may be that he's not allowed to because being that she's uh, she's. A, a separate person than himself, so public policy would kick in. But I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I definitely. Yeah, hear. I mean, the the word mechayvim would be a strange word if that's what it really means. Maskim, maskim. I agree. I agree. Okay, so now where does the Ramah get this uh, this idea from? So here, um, so in here we'll see. This is probably uh, this, this is coming from the Beis Yosef. So we'll see both where the Shulchan Archa coming from as well as the Ramah. So he says, Tanrabanan. So here, the, uh, the uh, Beis Yosef quote, quotes a Brisa. Nishmis, in the event that a woman is taken into captivity. Vahayu, nish, and let's say we're able to appraise her value as $50,000 on the slave market. Let's just use that simple calculation. So her, 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 her blue book slave market, her blue book slave market value is $50,000. And her captors say they want half a million dollars. They want 10 times her value. So, says the Brisa, Pam Rishona Poda. So the first time she's kidnapped, so you pay that the $500,000. Mikan Ve'elach Rotsa Poda, Rotsa Eina Poda. And then afterwards, so you fulfilled your obligation. The, the, the obligation of the Ksuba is to redeem her from her kidnappers once. 
once you did that once, so you're under no further obligation, and she's on her own. She should have been more careful. Just kidding. Rav Shimon Gamliel, Omer, Rav Shimon Gamliel says that ain't poted ashwin yeser al demeyam if they take an olim. The Rav Shimon Gamliel says, no, we never pay for a person uh, uh, to uh, ransom a person more than their actual value because of Tikkun Olam, because of public policy, we don't want it to become a lucrative business for kidnappers. Okay, so if Machlokas, if Shim Gamliel says you never pay more than a person's value, and the Rabbanan seem to say that for one's wife, you could pay more. Now what happens? So we have Machlokas in the Brisa. Upasaka Rambam, Kreb Shim Gamliel. Mishum so the Rambam Paskins like Rav Shimon Gamliel, who says that you never pay more than a person's value. So there, are, to, to your point, here the Rav Shimon Gamliel's language is a little more clear, where he says, Ein podin yasar al So that's the, that's the Rambam's position. Then, but the Beis Yosef acknowledges that the Rosh Paskin like Tanakama, the Halacha Karabim, that the Allah is going to be like the majority opinion over the single dissenting opinion of Reb Shimon Gamliel. And then he says, um, Aval, goes out to explain, he says, Aval ishto kagufo, but one's wife is like one's own self. Just like you go ahead and you can spend as much of your own money on your own ransom as you want. Ishto nami, so when, to, with regards to one's wife as well, Kevin the Chayv Dosa, being that there's a contractual obligation to go ahead and redeem her from captivity, mitznai ksuva, based on the stipulation of the ksuva. So mamondami. So it's as if she has all this, whatever money you have is the money which is available for her, and therefore when you redeem her, it's as if you redeem yourself, and you can spend as much money as you want. And the public policy is not going to be a, an impediment; is not going to create a cap which limits how much you're going to be able to spend. So here the Beis Yosef presents the two different opinions, the opinion of the Rambam, which seemingly is the opinion of Shulchan Aruch, versus the opinion of the Ramah, which is going to conform with the opinion of the Rush, as far as how much one is going to be allowed to spend uh, uh, when redeeming one's wife, is there going to be a certain cap, not more than her value? Or when it comes to one's wife, it's the same as redeeming oneself, which we've already established in earlier sources, that you can spend as much as you want. Okay, now, the last thing we have over here is a fascinating story uh, about uh, 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 a woman, uh, a married woman who was taken into captivity. So over here, the first paragraph over here, so this we also had, where we talked about if a woman needs a special diet and whether the husband has to pay for it or not. So we quoted this at that time for that reason. But here, just what we need to know is the, uh, the base mayor is of the opinion says that let's say a woman is kidnapped because she stole. She went ahead and she stole from the mob. Dangerous thing to do. But that's what she did. She stole from the mob. And now they went ahead and they kidnapped her and they want a ransom. So the base mayor is of the opinion that the husband is under no obligation whatsoever to, to ransom his wife from her captors in the event that she was the one who got herself kidnapped. So if she was guilty of something or she did something to cause herself to get kidnapped, so the husband is able to say, that's not my responsibility. Too bad, so sad on her. She shouldn't have gone ahead and stole from the mob. I told her a hundred times, stop stealing from the mob. And she didn't listen. And therefore, uh, he doesn't have to do so. 
So the Pischei Tshuva is in the process of quoting numerous sources which disagree with the base mayor about this. And over here, he quotes the Me'il Tzedakah. Tshuva's Me'il Tzedakah. Right, so we're going to see in this story, we're going to find out that the Mi'il Tzedakah, one of the earlier Acharonim also, disagrees and says it doesn't matter if it's something that she did. She brought her, she created the circumstance where the kidnappers were seeking her, uh, uh, were seeking her out. Uh, still, the husband may be obligated to do so. So he says, So here's the story. So Ruvain went ahead and he married a widow. So there was a woman, we'll call her Sarah. Sarah had been married to Shimon. Shimon died, and Ruvain went ahead and married Sarah. Okay, beautiful. But Vikar Mikra Shaganov Echad, Hode Shaganov Zeshloshim Shana Nechoshis. But what happened was, is that there was a while after Ruvain was, uh, was now happily married to Sarah, a certain Ganov is caught, and he turns state's witness against other people he used to steal together with. So it happened that there was a Ganov admitted, Shaganov Zeshloshim Shanachoshis, that 30 years ago he was stealing uh, copper. They were stealing copper piping. I think that's something which sometimes they still do. So they were stealing copper piping. Umachar Leisha Hanau. And he sold it to this Sara. He sold the stolen goods to Sara. And that what took place while Sarah was married to her first husband, Shimon. And she used to go ahead and she used to buy and sell things for Shimon's household. So she was aware that they were stolen goods. She was buying it. She was selling it. She was dealing with, she knew she was dealing with, with stolen goods. And vihine he kalua bevesasun. And now, because she turned state's witness against Sarah, Sarah is now in prison. She was gone ahead and she was thrown in prison. And the only way to save her life, because if she remains in prison, she'll end up dying. So the only way to go ahead and to free her is to go ahead and spend tons of money, to, to, spend, uh, to, uh, to invest lots of money to, uh, to, seek, to get her freedom. Now, her new husband, right, they've been married, let's say, six months, and all of a sudden, next thing he knows is his wife is in prison because of uh, uh, Geneva's, which he did 30 years earlier. And now they're coming to Ruvain and saying, Ruvain, that's your wife. You have an obligation from your psuva to go ahead and redeem her from captivity. And Ruvain says, what? Being that these thefts took place while she was married to Shimon, her first husband, and she went ahead and she was uh, fencing uh, stolen goods. Is that the term? She was fencing stolen goods for Shimon's benefit, not for my benefit, but it was for Shimon, her first husband's benefit. So the, you know who should have to pay for her redemption? The one who should have to pay for her redemption is her first husband. Ah, he's dead. Okay, he left a Yerusha to his heirs. And being that he left a Yerusha to his heirs, so he should uh, they, they should go ahead and they should go into that Yerusha, they should go into the inheritance, and should, they should use that money to go ahead and redeem her from captivity. And then he says, oh, that was Ruvain's first argument, that it's not my responsibility, use the assets which, uh, which uh, benefited from the stolen goods. And then, and then he claims further, another reason why he says, 
he doesn't have to redeem her, is because Kevin Shobha It's not as if she was randomly kidnapped, and therefore he has a responsibility based on the Ksuba to go ahead and ransom her from captivity. She brought this upon herself. She went ahead and stole, and when you steal, when you mess with the mob, and when you go ahead and you mess with Genevas, so there may be a price you have to pay at some point. And why is that my responsibility? Ruvain, her now second husband, says, why should I have to go ahead and cover that? And furthermore, all of this happened, that this, this, all of this occurred before I even married her. I thought I checked her out well. I looked at her uh, Shidduch resume. It didn't say anything about Genevas on the Shidduch resume. So how was I supposed to know what I was getting myself into? Okay. Then, so what does the, the Mi'il Tzedakah respond? So he says, As far as the first claim is concerned, that you should have to go after the deceased husband's assets, go after his heirs. So he goes ahead and he disregards that claim. Why disregards that claim? That's not our issue right now. That's uh, uh, for a different time. But he says, says the Mi'il Tzedakah, however, he says, as far as the second claim that Ruven has is, since she stole and she brought it upon herself, that should exempt me from having to redeem her from captivity. I only have to do so if she's randomly kidnapped. But if she does something to bring this upon herself, I shouldn't have to do so. Adinimo. So, I'm, I'm sorry, the base mayor was of the opinion that uh, that 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 you that sorry the base mayor quoted others who said that if she brings it upon herself that you don't have to redeem her and the base mayor disagreed and said you do have to redeem her and the meal tzedakah now comes along and says that claim that since she brought it upon herself so says the meal tzedakah you know what hadin imo that he agrees with the meal tzedakah kistam shivya. He says the obligation which husbands accept upon themselves to go ahead and redeem their wives from captivity is only in a regular random kidnapping case where they're just looking for somebody in a street corner and they go ahead and they kidnap somebody. Aval lo in But if somebody does something to cause themselves, even one's wife, where you're contractually obligated to redeem her, if she was negligent or she was guilty of something which caused her to get captured, so then you don't have to. Why? How do we know that that's true? Because every time a woman gets angry at her husband and she wants to punish her husband, what's she going to do? She'll run to the kidnappers and say, you know what? Kidnapping. I'm not doing anything <laughs> anyways. And go ahead and uh, kidnap me and make him pay you $100,000. That'll teach him to go ahead and forget something on the shopping list. Ah, he'll never do that again. And that could create an obligation each and every day for every time she gets angry at her husband, she'll go ahead and she, he's late again from work. So she'll go ahead and she'll get herself kidnapped again and make him pay another $50,000. And there's precedent for this with regards to a slave, that if a, a slave owner had to redeem his slave every time the slave was kidnapped, we'd run into the same problem. Every time the slave gets offended by something or doesn't like the, the assignment he was given that day, so he'll go ahead and he'll get himself kidnapped and make the, uh, the owner uh, have to pay more and more money. So therefore, he says that, there, that, that, that there's no way. In the event that the, the woman does something which causes herself to become uh, kidnapped, so uh, he does not have to, uh, to go ahead and, and do so. Um, okay, putting aside the rest of the way he formulates the argument, 
And therefore, the Milt concludes, Here was a case where he had already paid out the money. So he says an interesting thing, that he already paid. So the amount that he paid, which is equal to the ksuva, which she may collect in the event that divorced, which probably at this point, <laughs> once the Shaila has been asked, and they've argued about this, so they probably will be divorced. But the amount which he would owe for, for the ksuva, he already gets a credit for that. Because since he spent that money to redeem her from captivity, so that's now coming out of her pocket, and she's not going to collect it. The Hainu, in other words, that when she wants to go ahead and collect the ksuva, so we will, he will be able to, he or his heirs will be able to deduct from her ksuva the amount which he already spent to redeem her from, uh, from captivity. But he recognizes the Mil goes with that approach, which, which is that the obligation of a husband to go ahead and redeem his wife from captivity is limited to where she's randomly uh, kidnapped, but it does not include a circumstance in which she did something to cause herself to become kidnapped, and as a result of her bad behavior, that uh, obligates the husband, uh, that creates an obligation to, uh, to redeem his wife. In such a circumstance, the husband is not obligated to go ahead and redeem his wife. So we have these interesting things about the uh, the couple in the, in Kabul over there, whether or not uh, you know how much they're going to go ahead and spend to, in the event that there was such a couple, how much that they they would be obligated to spend, how much they could spend, and what's considered to be good public policy as far as these matters are concerned. There's a whole other discussion about if we know for sure it's a matter of life and death, does that uh, does that cancel the cap? How much one is able to pay? But then also at some point in the future, we'll, uh, we'll have another uh, class on Pidgin Shruyim, and we'll see what the parameters of that, uh, that happen to be. Yeah, boy, it seems like an awfully far-fetched chashash that she's going to get herself kidnapped on purpose. I mean, there's danger in getting kidnapped. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I agree. I agree. But, uh, but, but you know, you, you find yourself, uh, you know, there, there's good people in every profession. <laughs> so even kidnappers, you can find that uh, that good fellow who's really caring and uh, you know considerate. Got to make a living. It's uh it's business. It's not personal. Okay, um, so pay attention for next week. We'll have to make this executive decision about whether we're going to continue on this platform or just go back to the regular Zoom. Um, but either way, have a good Shabbos, and I will uh, we'll see you all hopefully uh, soon. Have a good Shabbos.